Welcome to the Church of the Living God Mount Sterling podcast. We hope you are blessed by this message. For more information about our church, follow us on Facebook by searching for our page, Church of the Living God Mount Sterling. We would love to connect with you, pray with you, and hear what God is doing in your life. Now grab your Bibles and let's get into God's Word. Hallelujah. All right. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Psalm chapter 56. Psalm chapter 56, we're going to start in verse 8. Psalms 56, verse 8. When you get there, shout out an amen to me. It's also going to be behind me so then everybody can shout amen. All right. Psalms 56, verse 8. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle, are they not in thy book? Verse 9, when I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. This is a psalm that was written by David when David was, was, was wandering and he was running. And this is actually, in a lot of Bibles, when it says on the top, this is a time where, where he was in, in, in the, with the Philistines there in Gath. When he, was, when he was fleeing, he actually kind of teamed up with the Philistines for a season. But he says, Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears in the bottle, are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. By the authority of the kingdom of God, I'm going to preach a word this morning called His Book for You. All right? His Book for You. All right, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we just glorify you, and we just thank you, Lord. We just ask for you to come into this place, and we thank you for your presence here, Lord God. And now we just ask for you to manifest your glory. You demonstrate your power, your kingdom, Father God, and all that you are. I ask for the unction and the utterance of the Holy Spirit for you to boldly declare the truth. And, Father God, for your people to receive and be blessed and be empowered to walk your kingdom and demonstrate your lordship, Father. And we honor you for it in Jesus' name. And the church shouted amen. So I love this, that, that David, David always made these things so personal. David, you could see that he had a true relationship with God. Something that I love about David is that there were things in which he would talk about. There's things in which he would speak about that it's almost like he saw the cross before the cross came. When he got caught with his, with, in the sin with Bathsheba and, and he wrote Psalms 51. What's up, my brother? Come on. Hallelujah. We praise God for, for canon. Amen. So, so... So, so he wrote this Psalms 51, and it was so personal. He says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. See, Christ came for the broken, and Jesus, I, or, or David, identified with what Jesus would do of saying, listen, I know there has to be a time that you're going to rescue the broken, so I'm telling you that this is what I offer you. I offer you my brokenness. And he says, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. The Holy Spirit at that time hadn't even been poured out upon people. It would only touch people and and relinquish. It would touch people. They would minister whatever they needed to do, and then it would come back. 
But David knew something deeper. He knew that there was a redemption that was going to come. And it was like David touched the cross before the cross was even a notion. They didn't even crucify people in those days. But David touched it. And he says, you know my wanderings. Listen to this. Wandering means exile. Something I've learned about 2020 is has it not seemed like an exile? Has this year not, not at some point seemed like, man, are we being punished for something? Like the exile of, 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 the, the, of the Israelites, the Israelites constantly went through exile, constantly, because they were constantly disobeying. Now, that's one thing that the American church isn't good at. We, we see exile as complaint and not as disobedience. Because we're Americans, right? Everybody looks at us, everybody looks at us. But I'll tell you what, if the American church would repent, then many nations would repent. Because we are a nation that needs to repent. We've been slaughtering babies for decades, and there's people who don't even bat an eye. They don't bat an eye when a baby is suctioned and vacuumed out piece by piece in a mother's womb. We don't care about that. But yet when something happens in a nation, and I'm not saying God is punishing us. There's just a simple law called reaping and sowing. That people, there's things that I, that I sowed in my life for wickedness that Kimberly had to reap. Why? Because it's, it's the process of things. I did wicked things. Wicked things were sown, and so they sprouted up. But then I had Christ. I had the one who knows my exile. I had the one that, listen, I know you were in exile. I know you were far from me here. And even though the seeds of it are here, I know when you were in exile. Not only does he know our exile, not only does God know our 2020, but he knows our 2021. If you shed tears this year, because this has been a tremendous year of loss and of pain. I have family, especially in Brazil, that have lost loved ones to this virus. This is legit. I almost lost a dear friend here in Kentucky. To this virus. He was moments away. I spoke to his daughter. He says, literally, we were about to plan the funeral. He was about to die. This has been a time of tears. This has been a time of pain. But guess what? David says, don't you keep my tears in your bottle? There's been times where I've been, I've been seeing prophetically and I've been praying over people and prophesying over people. And literally, it's happened several times that the, the Lord would say, tell them that their tears, the bottle of their tears that I have is what I'm going to use to pour on the ground to bring up their harvest. Because there is no harvest without watering. And what if it's your tears that caused the greatest harvest of your life. Kimberly and I sowed tears, sowed tears after the miscarriages. We sowed tears, and now we watch Elise. Now we watch Isaiah blooming and, and glorifying God. I walk in my house from work, and Isaiah comes out, and he goes, Hello, my pastor. I said, Boy, remember, I'm your daddy first. He'll come out, and he'll go, Hello, my pastor. Then he'll look at his mom and go, Hello, my rose. I'm just glad I'm not the thorn in her, the rose. But see, we're seeing the fruit that was sown in tears. 
See, we prayed for them in tears, in pain. When we would sit in our living rooms crying, Ezekiel was just a little, he was just a little thing. There's times where Kimberly would be at home and she would be weeping before the Lord. Ezekiel would stop playing with his toys, would, would, would thumpy walk over to her and just grab her and hold her. Why? Because God's saying, oh, I've got your tears. I've got those because I know your exile. And so I not only know your exile, but I know in which the book that I write. Is this not the book also? Listen to what it says. The tears in the bottle, are they not? Are they not in thy book? I want you to know very clearly today that God is writing a book, and it's your book. It's not my book. It's not your, it's not your other pastor's book. It's not your grandmother's book. It's not your uncle who's a deacon's book. It's your book. Look how specific David is talking. You know my wanderings. You hold my tears. And they're in your book. God is writing something, church. And I know that with all this COVID stuff, I've heard so many pastors, I've heard so many ministers, I've heard so many Christians, I've heard so many non-Christians, everybody's like, man, we are, we're, we're closing it off. We're closing the book of 2020. But what if God is still writing it? I know, I know New Year's is, is coming up this week. But I cannot neglect the things that God has done this year. That as a, as a pastor, as a ministry team, to get direction from the Lord to plant a church right before COVID, immediately you say, man, we must have missed the timeline. But if God's writing the book, then maybe this is exactly where we're supposed to be. This, this moment right now is maybe exactly where we need to, book, need to look. And what I need you to figure out today is what's God writing for you? What's he writing in your book? Is it a year of pain? Is it, is it a year of trial? Is it a year of hurt? That, that's okay because he's here. Because he knows my exile. He knows my wanderings. Yeah, he knows all my tears. He has my tears. How comforting is it that God has your tears? Meaning he knows every time you have cried. He has it. He knows it. Well, 2020 was this and this and this, a time where so many families have been separated and disjointed because man was created for fellowship. We were created to be together. Families not having Thanksgiving. Who knows there's grandparents that live for Thanksgiving. For that time where all the family comes together. People come from out of town. So there's a device of the enemy that is working to divide us and to separate us. But God knows our wanderings. God holds our tears. And God is writing your book. What's he writing in it? Listen to this. What's he writing that we're wanting to erase? What's he writing right now that we're trying to close it? We're trying to flip the page, and he's not even done writing it. 
I know, I know, I know that 2020, let's get out of here, let's get out of 2020. But far be it from the bride of Christ, from the body of Christ, from the church, to turn the page on something that God's still writing. What if the, by the end of 2020, you receive a promise from God that you've been waiting for 15 years, 10 years? See, the flesh looks at just the things that are immediate. But the kingdom of God within us is generational. It extends. What are we talking about? We're talking about that what, what are in 20 years, what's everybody going to think of COVID? You know, we're already looking out there at every negative connotation. But I still go back to the, to the, to the word that was preached here in this house of a powerful quarantine. That there's people for the first time in their lives, for the first time in their Christian life, and I'm talking about ministers as long as anybody else, it's the first time they had to sit and be quiet and stay before the Lord. And it wasn't about how many people, it was about what can I hear from Him. Preaching in empty rooms. Some of the best messages that have ever touched my lips were during that time. When all I would hear is a faint amen from the back of the sanctuary in Winchester because John was going, come on. He's the only one in the sanctuary. People are like, man, isn't it difficult to preach to empty chairs? I said, no. Because it's the same gospel. Because if preaching to empty chairs moves you and changes you, what happens if you get in a crowd of 300? Is that going to change you? Is that going to differentiate what you do, how you act, how you preach? Because if you preach and you minister for the amens and the roars, then you're going to be completely disheveled when there ain't no amens. I've preached in churches that they're not shouting churches. I don't know if you know this, but you're not much of a shouting church either. So I can't change the way I preach because y'all aren't going bonkers. I've preached at times where there was four people in the seats. You know how I preached? I preached like this. Everybody got prophesied to. At one point I said, tell you what, I'm going to pray over everybody again just so we don't go out of, out of here in 30 minutes. God knows your book. David said, this is thy book. He says, I'm giving you my exile. I'm giving you my tears and I'm giving you my book. We need to put down our pens on 2020 and let the Lord write what he wants. It's his book for you, church. It's his book for you. Verse 9, when I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know why, because God is for me. In God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. Everything is about his word. Everything is about what he has written. My life is based upon what he has written. Because what he has written will always come to pass. Why? Because it's his. For so long the body of Christ and the American church steals the book of God and says, I'm going to write the next chapter. Don't let 2020 pass. Without you praising his word. Without, without you glorifying his word. Challenging year? Yeah, absolutely. I'll say this. Our giving 
is supernatural. And I, and I tell that to testify to God about who you are. Our giving is incredible. We're able to bless nations of the world, to feed pastors. That their churches have closed, but we're feeding them and keeping them. He, my, my buddy from India said, listen, this isn't, this isn't to promote church. This is to feed people. This is to feed the flock. You are feeding the nations of the world. Why? Because God's writing a book. That's in 2020. Well, I thought we are going to write this year off. Write this year off. I'm going to put this year in a place of saying, man, this is what God did in a year that the world was trembling, the world was shaking. My God was moving in all the nations of the world. What has he done in you? Look back, not at the negative things. Tell you what, look at the negative things too. God says, man, I'm equated. I, I, know, I know your tears. I know your exile. But I'm going to praise his word. The Lord, I will praise his word. Verse 11, in God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. That is a revelation that every single believer needs to find. Because the fear of man is prevalent. Especially in the body of Christ. When I first got saved, and remember I came from a non-church background, we were good people, but I was just a devil. I chose to be a devil. I was always a devil. That's just who I was. So I came from that, and when I got saved, I try to, I try to trim off every single piece of me and fit into this little compartment called church. And I realized that I was broken and sprayed, and there was chips everywhere, and I was destroying myself trying to fit into a church system. And I said, God, this, this isn't working. I, I'm not being your church. I'm not being your churchy person. He goes, good. I don't want you to be churchy. I want you to know what the kingdom is. I said, God, what is the kingdom? He says, that's where I am. He says, that's where I walk. That's where I talk. That's where I run. And that's where you need to swim. So in me, early on, I developed the notion of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is always praise. Psalms 34, 1, I will bless him always. His praise will continually be in my mouth. That means in the most broken moments when it don't make sense, I'm going to just lift up my hands. And I've told God, I said, God, I don't even know what to do. But I know that you're worthy. I know that you know my wanderings. I know that you hold my tears. But I'm going to accept the fact that you're going to write my book. See, we want God to have the, the tough parts. We want God to carry the tears, but yet we still want control of who writes what. I need you to know that God wants to write your book. Don't turn the page. Don't close the book. Don't ask for another chapter until he says, I'm done writing this. Because there's things he's wrote now. I said, ministers don't even know what they're doing. They're sitting there in quarantine, wondering if the church is going to shut down. And God is saying, man, in this powerful quarantine, I'm going to birth things that you have never even dreamed of. And praise God for media teams. There's a little Facebook meme that says, hey, big shout out to all the media teams that transformed the pastor's video from a, 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 an Al-Qaeda 
video to something presentable on Facebook. People who were neglected and, and don't care about in the church were brought to the forefront. Why? Because God writes it. Because we're supposed to be doing this all together. Once again, I have put my trust in God. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Listen to this. Verse 12. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee, for thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt thou not deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Something that God writes in your book is, is for you to live for him here. We have developed a church culture that we're just waiting for heaven, right? Boy, can't wait for the rapture, can't wait for the rapture. Tell you what, if the rapture were to happen today, there are millions upon millions that need to be brought into the storehouse that will not because the church wants to get out of here. This is not the church for escape. This is not the church to get out as quick as possible. This is not a church that is waiting for the rapture. This is a church that is looking and going for the harvest. We're not here for the rapture. We're here for the harvest. We're here to preach and to preach and to preach. And as the people come in, then, then God does the healing. God does the tempering. He knows their exile. He knows their wanderings. He knows their tears. He knows their hurt because he's writing their book. So we need to get religion out of here. That we need to fix people's sin. Listen, the blood fixes people's sin. If we would worry less about what their sin is and more about the blood that cleanses, church would be completely different. Because everybody has the gift of discernment when it comes to everybody else's sin. When somebody else is in sin, now listen, family, hello? When somebody in your family's in sin, who knows, we all know about it, right? And we're real good at that. We're, real, we're really good at everybody else's sin, but when somebody talks about our sin, we get our back up, we bow up, right? The harvest, if we focus on the harvest and not the rapture, because the rapture mentality has gotten such a pride and a stench in the body of Christ that we feel like we're the elitist and not the ones who are humble before our God. The harvest, you have to be humble. Because if you're going to meet people that are completely broken in sin, you not only sympathize, you have to empathize. You have to meet them where they're at. So if they've got, if they've got track marks on their arm, say, man, I know a place for you. Right here. Right here. Because Josh, some of us has had some track marks, haven't we? And the, and the Christ has set us free. See, if we focus on the harvest, we're letting God write the book because he's the Lord of the harvest. Never in the scriptures does it say he's the Lord of the rapture. Never. He is the Lord of the harvest. He says, I have come to seek and save them which are lost. So if we just sit in here and have church and we're not going out there looking for the lost, then we're not doing what we're called to do. So we're, we've prepared. 
We were going we were gonna to do outreaches this year. We had big plans. But maybe God was saying in our book, he was writing, he says, listen, you don't even know what to minister yet to the city. So during this quarantine, sit back and develop vision. Sit back and develop strategy. God will expose every stronghold in this city. And through the apostolic anointing and the prophetic anointing together, assembled with all of us, then when we walk into the city, we've already disarmed every enemy. And then the souls just come out. Healing comes out. Well, Patrick, what if they don't come to our church? It don't matter. I'm not here to build a church with a bunch of numbers. I'm here to develop an army. I'm here to get you out of mundane religiosity into the kingdom of God where your allegiance is not to a church, it's not to a building, it's not to a pastor, it's to the king. Because if I show you the king, you'll honor me. You'll honor me as a father. Because why? I'm showing you the kingdom. The kingdom operates as a father. A father wants good for who? His children. When I preached on fathering, when Zeke goes to college, is he going to pay for my lunch or am I going to pay for his lunch? See, everything is different in, in in the church system. In the church system, we plant a church and then we ask them for an offering back to the home church. The home church is supposed to be the father. So here, when we plant We're going to give. We're going to provide the sound system. We're going to provide the infrastructure. Why? Because a father is always involved with the children. This is what the kingdom is about. This is what happens when God starts writing your book and you get your hands off the book and you just surrender to the God who is writing it. What are you allowing him to write in your book today? And I'm using 2020 as an example because it's so obvious. I know. We all want to close the chapter. <laughs> Am I right? I want, let, let's be real. I wanted to close the chapter on 2020 until I sat back there and he says, what are you closing that I'm not done writing yet? Oh. So I know, I know it seems like I'm preaching real good right now, but I'm getting slapped in the face just like you are. I've wanted this year to end and to end and to end, and God says, Why? What if I have more to write? What if I have more destiny to write? Listen to this. When it says your book in verse 8, it means to properly, it's it's writing. It's a document. It's a bill. It's, It's evidence. It's a register. He is writing evidence that when the enemy comes to try us, there's already evidence that he's said not guilty. There's so many times I've been in physical courtrooms. I've been in spiritual courtrooms. I always prefer the spiritual ones. All right? Because the judges in the physical ones, they don't know mercy and grace like the ones in the spiritual courtroom. All right? I've had a judge look at me right between my eyes and says, you are guilty and you will serve what I declare you to serve. And I had, and there was nobody. I've also been in spiritual courtrooms where he says, guilty. Guess what? I was guilty. And a voice said, will anybody speak? 
And somebody stood up and spoke for me. And he was scarred from the top of his head to his feet. He was scarred, completely scarred. His face was scarred. I could see that underneath his veil there were wounds for me. He stood up and said, he is not guilty because I have already taken his punishment. And I was set free. Why? Because his book is my evidence. We're trying to close a book that he's trying to write evidence in that sometime we will be needed to say not guilty. Church, don't close the book on 2020 yet. And when, when, we, we, and when we pass over to 2021, don't forget what he wrote. Don't forget what he wrote. Verse 12, thou, thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. Verse 13, for thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt thou not deliver my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Verse 12, vow means promise. And it's concretely. A thing promised. We're trying to close chapters in our lives. And now, now I'm getting off 2020. I'm just talking about us. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about there's things that God has spoken to you. And they're so long ago that you're trying to close it. And God's like, man, I promise that. Don't close a book on the promises God has given you. Some of you are new to Christianity. And God is promising new things, and he's giving you new things. So Taylor's grandma spoke over her that she was going to sing for the Lord. During the quarantine, church is closed. This building is closed. Her and Derek come for curbside prayer. Pastor John, Pastor Megan, and I were sitting there. I don't even know the child. God speaks as, man, you are supposed to sing for me. In her 2020, God wrote promises fulfilled. He fulfilled vows to her grandmother. When? In 2020. Why? Because he knows her wanderings. He knows her tears. Because he writes her book. This is what I'm talking about. We're trying to close things, and God is saying, I'm trying to write promises that will extend generationally. I praise God for her book that's still being written. Why? Because now God has fulfilled his vow. What's God writing for you? This is the power of somebody's book. James, the son of Zebedee, was a fisherman by trade when Jesus called him to a lifetime of ministry. As a strong leader of the church, James was beheaded in Jerusalem. Listen to this. The Roman officer who guarded James watched in amazement as James defended his faith at his trial. He was on trial for his faith in Jesus Christ. Later, the officer walked beside James to the place of execution. Overcome by conviction, the Roman officer declared his faith in Christ and then knelt down next to James and was beheaded with him. 
James is on trial. His book had evidence of the power of God, of a life lived for Christ. So powerfully that the one who walked him to be killed says, I won't let him die alone. Because this faith in Christ I now have because of him. I've read his book. I've read his vows. I've read the promises. And I am guilty for Christ. That's the power of letting God write your book. That's the power of letting him write even when there's exile. Even when there's wanderings. Even when there are tears. Are they not in thy book, God? Church, it's time to give the book back to him, to the one who wants to write, to the one who wants to write promises, to the one who wants to release a faith in you that people who see you say, I can't. How can I lead him to death? Because of his faith in Christ, we're through this. Now I have faith in Christ. This is the call of the church. We always say that, that the enemy will be defeated by the blood of the Lamb. Glory! By the words of our testimonies. Hallelujah! Holding our lives not unto the death. That verse doesn't end with the testimony. It says, loving our lives not unto the death. James was on trial for being a Christian. But somebody had written in his book. He said, oh, I've got promises that no man can touch me. That my body being killed, it will not touch the vows from God that he has written his book. The man who led him to the execution was so grabbed by the message of God, by the, what God had written in the book, that he says, I am guilty of Christ. And both of them died that day. It's time that the body of Christ starts dying to self. And starts and, and lets God write his book with their lives. Stand with me today.